I love your enthusiasm. No, I'm so excited. Okay. (laughs) All right. So hello, everybody, lovely people. Welcome to episode six of Breaking Barriers, a mental health conversation. We having a discussion, and I am so excited about the episode today. about this episode today like y'all these episodes just keep getting better and better and better and better (laughs) and you know when it comes to just this series of breaking barriers I really created this platform to be able to get people to feel comfortable feel encouraged feel inspired to go and talk to someone within their community talk to someone that is not within their community somebody you walk by on the street a loved one whatever the case may be about mental health topics about things that are usually very difficult for us to bring up or we feel like people may judge us on because it's so important to build community and know that you have people there that you can talk through these different things with and knowing that we all have experiences because this is life and you will be really shocked to find out that someone is going through a similar thing as you. And before we kind of get into things, I want to remind you to pause and, you know, just like follow Always Live Lovely on Instagram. We got the the YouTube going on because that's what this is on. We also have the Facebook that you can follow us on. And this podcast is now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, it's on Anchor, it's on a whole bunch of other things. So we've expanded from it just being a YouTube-based series to trying to reach people on the go so more people can really get this message. So stop and like and follow and share before moving forward with the episode if you haven't already done so. All right, y'all. So today, this topic, I got the perfect person to talk about this topic today is going to be my lovely, beautiful, wonderful, powerful guest Nee Trong and we are going to be talking about love and incarceration and there is no other person I can think of that will do this justice so Nee please introduce yourself to the people. Hi everyone um, thank you Tina for the in, for the invitation um, it is so wonderful to be here I think this is like one of the first public places where I talk about my story in the sense of I'm talking about my partner who's incarcerated and what it means to be in a relationship with him. Um, I am an educator. I teach high school students. I also teach in different college colleges in the credential programs. Um, I currently teach at Mills, USF, and St. Mary's. Um, so I just dream, sleep, and eat education all day. <laughs> um, I am, yeah, I'm also, I moved from Vietnam to Oakland since I was 10. So I've been out in the Bay ever since. Um, And I just, you know, living in the Bay, like I've always been so, um, like I've been introduced to so many different community organizations. Um, So I've been like a community organizer ever since I was a little teenager. Um, So just always doing the work, right? Whether it's education or fighting, to stop mass incarceration, or even talking about food justice. Uh, yeah, so I'm super excited to be here to talk more about um, what it means to be loving my partner who's incarcerated. Yes, and that's amazing. Look, she got she has so many different things that she is just pouring out into the community, and it all sounds wonderful, as you can see. So I'm so excited, like I said, to have her as a guest and to talk about this topic that man, when you talk to people and you bring up a topic of even wanting to have a partner that is incarcerated, some of the comments, like it's, 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 
it's people's minds that tend to be pretty narrow and kind of think more negatively or they're kind of like, how are you going to have a thriving relationship with someone that is incarcerated? Like people don't really understand. And it's even a topic that personally for me, I'm still growing to like understand. So I felt like it would be really important to just highlight someone who is having just such an amazing relationship and really being able to just break the stigma that comes with that and shows that you aren't making like a mistake, like it's not the worst decision that you can make. People, you know, can have thriving lives, you know, why they are incarcerated and do amazing things, still make change um, and really just try to introduce y'all to a different narrative. So we are definitely about to shake some things up. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. Be aware in case it's a little bit triggered for some people, but we're definitely going to get to the nitty gritty. Um, so me, I would love for you to just kind of, you know, share a little bit about your story and kind of like how you got to this point with your partner and just being in love and coming together and creating like change and really just, you know, sharing what you feel most comfortable for people to know to enlighten them. Yes. Yeah, so, um, Vernon and I actually met before he was incarcerated. He, okay. um, we share a mutual friend, um, when I was at UC Santa Cruz, I think it was actually our graduation day. He came out there to attend his friend's graduation and I was graduating too. So then we met briefly. We went to like a after party at my friend's house um, after, but we like didn't really have like a conversation, like a full conversation there, you know? And then years later, like while he was incarcerated, he has reached out to me um, and we just reconnected in that way, right? Like I never thought that it will fall into a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually never, as someone, the reason why I mentioned that I do like organizing work in the beginning in my intro is because even as someone who was like organizing and talking about abolishing prisons, you know, I never thought, I was like, I'll say this, like, um, I never really connected with someone who is like, who was incarcerated until I met Vernon, right? like in the US prison system, that is, right? And so I met Vernon, so then it was like, it became close to home now, right? And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, um, this is cool. Um, but then, you know, as I was talking to Vernon more through like, you know, our phone conversation on the state phones, like so limited, right? It's like right. 15 minutes. Um, and then we are like letter writing and eventually like visiting in person, right? And I'm like, wow, like this person is really, really dope, you know? Um, and we built like a romance relationship then. Um, and I think when someone think about someone who's incarcerated, they're like, oh, they are in there because they did something really bad, mm -hmm. you know? Um, first of all, that's not the case, right? We all have done something really bad. That part right you know there. I'm saying? Okay. And I think it's um, because of our system and because who is designed to protect and who is designed to criminalize and label, um, there are folks who are in prison, right? Um, for like really minor like crimes that they have committed, right? And they're in there for years, right? And due to like the California, which is a pro progressive state, um, due to the three strike law, Folks are in there for years for like stealing a candy bar, you know, at the liquor store, you know. Um, but for Vernon, he's actually in there for a crime that he did not commit, you know. Um, but for Vernon, um, he's not like just a regular typical person on the streets where like they are just trying to put a case on. Um, he's highly educated. He actually graduated from UCLA, you know, so in African-American studies. So, uh, who also happens to be in a gang because he's from South Central LA, mm -hmm. like, you know, a black man from South Central LA who lives, you know, in a poor urban community. So the likelihood of being recruited, because I, I don't want to talk so much about his story because that's his story, right? And, um, but this, like his identity is so complex, right? When you have a complex identity like that and you're in these situations, of course, you're gonna be trapped, you know, by these cops, you know? And they would try, they'll try to throw a case on you. Um, so anyway, um, he's in there and that's, that's something that like me and my collective and a lot of us are trying to organize against too, to really prove that he's innocent. The system doesn't make it easy, right? For someone right. who is- Not yeah, exactly. Like once you get convicted, 
um, it's pretty much done, you know, unless you have the finance, you know, it's, it's a capitalist world. So like, unless you have the finance to get a lawyer to go through all of these appeal processes, and that's like, that's the work that we're trying to do now, you know, mm-hmm. and then just to sidetrack a little bit, um, when Vernon was arrested, right, he didn't have money for a lawyer um, because who has forty, fifty thousand dollars going in the bank? Sitting around, right? And honestly, there was no evidence against him for this particular crime, and it took them, um, it took them like seven, eight years, you know, to gather some really bullshit evidence, mm-hmm. you know, of like what he said, she said against him. So, also, he didn't think that he was going to get convicted, right? But right, that was truth. Exactly. When you got a public defender going against the court and all of these detectives and cops, you know, who are built, who has built this case against you for seven, eight years, you know, mm-hmm. of course, you're going to lose. He actually had two hung juries um, and hung jury just means that when the jury cannot decide, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so the first one, they couldn't decide. The second one, they couldn't decide, you know, of, on his innocence. The third one, finally, um, the court decided not to bring in a, um, a witness expert. Um, they decided to leave them out of the courtroom. Um, and so finally, right, when you when the court labels someone as like a gang member, right, mm-hmm. as someone who is a violent gang member because mm-hmm. he has done, you know, um, of course, it's, it's, it's a scare tactic, right, to, to scare the jury members to, to then convict Vernon, yeah, instead of seeing him as this complex person who is, like, college educated, right. who, like, actually works in the, more. right, who works in the EOPS office at Santa, Mo- Santa Monica College tutoring students, you know, who actually works at this man's house and helping him, like, with gardening and with all kind of stuff so like there's just so many complex identities that people don't get to see in the courtroom on the newspaper and the media right mm-hmm. then when we see folks who are incarcerated we just see oh look at these criminals right, right. Mm-hmm. and then it leads me to being like okay like actually this is not who Vernon is you know and that's why it made it so easy for me to um, connect with Vernon on such a much deeper level than what our society sees folks who are incarcerated yeah which is so beautiful. I really like how you're doing him honor and justice of just putting out a different narrative even for him because you're right, we see it all the time. Like Mm -hmm. the news, like the papers, like everything will choose the most negative label that it can find, especially against black men and people of color and really just zone in on that one negative thing when it's like, nah, man, like people have a whole lot of great that they do. And why don't you take a moment and highlight that as well instead of trying to, really just continue to shape this system to be against against who it's who it's not made for against those people and being able to thrive and I really like that you're highlighting it is so many people that are in prison right now that are incarcerated for things that are just like seriously like they're but we watch them let people go all the time let people off the hook all the time when they should be the ones that are incarcerated but you still got people in there like you said for doing simple things of still in a candy bar you got people in there like you just highlighted to where it's like y'all couldn't even make a decision if you can't even make a decision after the first round like y'all y'all really trying real hard now like y'all really Absolutely. trying real hard now and then so it's really important to highlight that and I'm 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 curious even like if you wonder when it comes to like building even just relationship with people that are incarcerated, do you feel like it made a difference for you that you had some prior history with him versus kind of just, you know, how some some women, you know, and some men will meet people while they are already incarcerated and then kind of, you know, get to know them and develop a relationship after. Do you think it was a difference in just level of comfort and openness for you? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, right? Like I, we share a mutual friend and actually, so the mutual friend, he was someone that Vernon mentored when he was at Santa Monica College, you know, who ended up actually renting our room in Vernon's mom's house, you know? So like their relationship is actually pretty close, right? And this is like Vernon mentored him when he got out of prison himself, you know? So it's like, 
to see someone who's incarcerated, who was a mentor to so many different people, I can already tell the kind of heart, you know, that he has um, for people. Um, And I will say this, right? You should always be cautious of who you date, regardless (laughs) if they're incarcerated or not. That part right there, like that part right there, because there's people out here in the street. Let me tell you, that's not even in position. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) yeah, like I, I got a lot of like judgments and like expectations and like shaming and all of that from a lot of my closest friends, you know, um, who I was actually a little surprised by, right? Because. Uh, some of these friends also happen to be doing organizing work, right? And I know that it's in like the sense of like caring for me and loving me, which is really dope, you know? But I also think about like, damn, if I was dating a doctor or a lawyer, would they also have the right. same, um, if, would they also have the same worry, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, it wouldn't come with any stigmas attached because it's like, you oh, know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I say that to say like, yeah, no, you should definitely, like, I'm not telling you, Go on whatever websites out there and find your pen pal and connect, you know, because this shit is rough, you know, but Vernon also happens to be a really beautiful person. Um, and yes, like if you happen to find someone you connect with, like humanize the relationship, regardless of who they are, regardless if they're incarcerated, if they're a doctor, if they're, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think it should just be down to like, oh, should I worry? And and I will say this, I think being in visiting rooms with families, I also have friends and friends who um, reach out to me and be like, hey, like I don't talk to other people about this, but my partner's incarcerated. Or my, you know, my uncle's incarcerated, my brother's incarcerated. So this journey also has been so liberating for me um, to be able to connect with folks who don't actually share publicly because of the stigma and the shame right and I think it's I really want to normalize these conversations to be like you know what it's okay you know like it's okay to date someone who's incarcerated to have a family member who you love who incarcerated like their stories deserve to be heard you know like they deserve to be loved Mm you know um so yeah you're definitely creating you you doing breaking barriers already look at you <laughs> people come and just converse with you and that's literally what this is all about like that's a beautiful example of because of people knowing and you being willing to share more about your experience and your journey it's allowing other people to begin to kind of step into that territory and reach out and share and have conversations and seek support and you're right like just humanizing people you know just because people are incarcerated that does not make them animals it doesn't make them you know any less human it doesn't make them any less deserving of love and affection and being honored in any way shape or form because one thing you started out saying is you know we all tend to make a a bad or a negative decision you know we're all human in that way and then so it's really important that we begin to shift the narrative because you know the a lot of the times um what we see in the public eye or society is like you know, reality TV, like love after lockup. And then so that like, you know, of course, drama when it comes to reality TV, people are sucked into it. But it's like it's feeding into that narrative of this being a negative experience. And when you hear people dating people that are incarcerated, it's like, what are you doing? Like, why would you choose to do that? Why would you choose to limit yourself? Why would you want to put yourself in this arena of having something chaotic and something that's uh, limiting or something that is filled with drama and it really sounds like you've been able to just find a way to have a full and thriving relationship and I hear you about just like you know people not a hundred percent in the beginning or even now like being a hundred percent on board um with you kind of just choosing love you know and choosing to love in this way and you know I'm curious just a little bit about how have you dealt with that because I'm sure there are other people that are experiencing the same thing which you've already highlighted yeah that's a really good question um it was hard you know in the beginning because it was like I have some friends who I've been friends with my whole life you know um and it was hard to hear like hey like I don't you know like and, and and I and and it was it was a struggle, right? Like of trying to under, 
empathize with their understanding of trying to look out for me uh-huh. and then also trying to have my own space to be able to do my own thing right and I also found myself like trying to prove to my friends that Vernon was a good person uh-huh. and I'm like look yo like he's a dope ass person you know but after that I was telling Vernon like yo I'm tired like yeah I have to prove to them that you're a good person like why you know what I'm saying and it also doesn't do him justice you know it's not fair to him to for me to like try to prove his identity to my friends you know so for me it's like look I'm you're gonna rock with me or you're not right, right? and you're gonna accept me wholeheartedly for who I am and what I choose to do or not and I'm not asking you to be in this relationship with me right (laughs) I'm not asking you to pay for my plane rides when I go and visit him right because I you know what I'm saying like I got it all I'm asking is for you to understand you know um and like some friendships have shifted Mm -hmm. and that's okay like for me it has never been about like choosing Vernon over my folks you know it but it's all, it's about like me living my life, you right. know? And I think for me for years, you know, um, what I realized also is that I've been a people pleaser, you know, like mm-hmm. growing up, like, especially in an Asian household, like you always trying to do things for your family, right. you know, mm-hmm. and like what they want. Right. So like, I also adapt some of that when it comes to like my friendship, which is dope, you know, cause like you should be able to, connect with your friends and be there for your friends and do all Mm -hmm. of this you know but sometimes like you lose this identity of being able to do what really what you really want to do you know and I've always found myself yeah there's always this really rebellious side of me anyway (laughs) whereas like there's some friends who are like oh me I'm not surprised (laughs) (laughs) they're like oh yeah that makes sense (laughs) you know um so I think I just really had to like differentiate that for myself is okay you say you love me and care for me, but you don't want me to do this. You know, like that's a little bit controlling, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do I just have to explain to you? And I had some heart-to-heart conversation with my some of my friends, you know, that which turned out to be really powerful too, you know? <laughs> and it always comes down to like, hey, but we love you, we care for you, which is really powerful, right. you know? but also really challenging like some of the judgments, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the expectations that are really unrealistic, you know, when it comes to trying to, you know, tell me things like, hey, like why, like what you said before, like, why would you want to put yourself in a situation? What situation? I'm happy. (laughs) What's the situation? I'm like, I, this is actually one of the healthiest relationships I've been in, you know? And people might be like, mm, you know, you live in a fairy tale. But look, my situation, my relationship with Vernon has like it's not a fairy tale. Like what what fairy tale is loving someone who's incarcerated? You know what I'm saying? Um, but I've learned so much about myself. Yeah. I've learned so much about what it means to live to love someone, you know, with all of these barriers, you know, like Mm -hmm. loving someone who's incarcerated in a pandemic, that's another level of struggle. You know, that's not a fairy tale, right? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I have never been happier. I've never been feeling so like supported and so loved. Um, Just an incredible human being, you know, And, and that's not because he's incarcerated that he's that way, you know? Um, There's so many characteristics of Vernon who, he has always been that way, you know, but again, complex identity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, being able to just highlight, like, you know, this is the health, one of the healthiest relationships that you had, like, that just shatters the roof of the stigma automatically, because, like I said, people automatically think, like, nah, like, this ain't it, or she probably, she probably lying, like, she just, she's just saying that there's no way but you know you get to define like y'all get to define what happiness looks like what satisfaction looks like you know and a huge part of love is you know the freedom within it and allowing people to be 
free um, amidst like, you know, you putting judgment on them and mm-hmm. allowing people to be able to, you know, make their own decisions and do what feels like it's the most authentic and real um, thing for them to do. And it sounds like, you know, you've had some some things you've come up against um, that have been really difficult. You've had to over explain um, yourself and kind of like, you know, you put that responsibility because sometimes when people are a people pleaser, they'll pick up the responsibility of, you know, wanting to feel validated by other people or wanting that approval to other people or feeling like they have to go out of their way to make sure that, you know, that person's emotions, you know, are kind of like, you know, um, at ease in order for you to be able to go out and live your life and do what you want to do. And I say kudos to you to get to the point where you're just like, hey, I'm tired. Like this, this doesn't even matter anymore. And you putting focus on what is the most important part of your relationship. And I'm curious just about like, you know, do you feel like for it for any reason, like with being an educator, with being in the community, do you feel like you had a fear ever of it discrediting you in any way, shape, or form? Wow, that's an excellent question. Um, no, and I think I will credit that to um, being an organizer, you know, and being someone who has been rooted, like for a lot of my mentors, you know, who have like, um, rooted in me like so many different um like it's kind of like I don't know this sounds hella nerdy but like (laughs) theories and practice right like I've learned all of these theories all of these things you know and now like I'm in practice right so it's like I'm understanding how oppression works I'm understanding how systemic you know racism work I'm understanding how police brutality works I'm understanding all of these things work you know and now I'm in a place where my partner's incarcerated, right? Like, so immediately, like, of course, like some immediate reactions, like, okay, like, you know, like, how should I talk to my families or my friends about this? But, you know, like, because of who I am and because of like the values I have, you know, really um, built all of these years, I'm like, you know what, like, I'm not gonna, and it's really about you, you know, and how you choose to tell your story. And I talked to Ren about this. Right. he's like really the same way too, like how you choose to be, you know, and for Vernon, he's always like, look, physically I'm incarcerated, but mentally Mm -hmm. I'm not like mentally, emotionally, I'm so free. Like if you talk to Vernon, like you will, not only will you hear it, but you will feel it from him because that's who he is. And then for me too, I'm like, just because I date someone who was incarcerated, that's, that's just not all he is, you know right. what I'm saying? And I think it's for me, I chose to take that story and to normalize it and to organize, you know? And I think like talking to my friends about it, talking to folks from the community. Um, and we, we chose to create a collective out of that, mm-hmm. you know? And in our collective now we're like spreading awareness about Vernon's case, about wrongful conviction, about prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're going to have a big event coming up on March 26, which I'm hell excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're choosing to use that energy, right? Not to feel ashamed, to discredit my work as an educator, you know, yes. as like, you know, as a college lecturer who's like teaching folks how to teach, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like you, I'm used, I'm going to use that as a vehicle to yes. really yes. bring in important issues, you know? that people should know and learn about because look what I love about education but what also makes me feel really cringing about too is that we can talk about theory and like abolishing prisons and all of this all day Mm -hmm. but then when it comes to talking about like individual people Right. right and humanizing them then people feel a little bit uncomfortable about that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is weird, right? So now I'm, I'm I'm in this situation. I'm like, okay, how can we really humanize people like Vernon, right? So then I'm like, no, I'm gonna talk to my friends about Vernon, who he is, right? Because mm-hmm. don't pose abolish prisons if you're not gonna be able to humanize, right? If you're not really about to be able to seriously, like I think we really should stop doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's cute, you know, to like <laughs> jump on the bandwagon, you know, and like repost an Angela Davis quote, you know, about abolishing prison, which is fucking dope, mm-hmm. but also like do the work, you know, yeah. like humanize folks, you know, um, don't say abolish prison, but be afraid of incarcerated folks. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's important. Do, do the work. Like there's so many people that jump on trends these days, but mm-hmm. it's like, you got to have the action that matches what it is that you're posting. Don't just be a part of the, the conversation in that way of like, oh, I posted a meme and, and this means that, you know, I'm this kind of person and I'm for this. Like it really comes with a lot of action. You got to get into it. And, you know, even with your relationship with him and being kind of impacted by the system, like, what has that been like for y'all? Like, how have y'all been able to remain in such a healing and beautiful space and continue to thrive with each other? Because I'm sure it gets really difficult to continue to love on each other when you have like this, this, this box that's trying to like, just keep you in and make it very difficult. (sighs) Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, at least before the pandemic, you know, we were able to visit each other. So I tried to go and visit him every other week. Um, I even brought my little sister, you know, to go visit him. Um, and actually a lot of my friends, you know, submitted their visiting application already. And then the pandemic shut down, you know, um, and, but, you know, I think the being able to, like for Vernon to be such an amazing communicator, like he's a really, really great Mm -hmm. communicator. Um, Communication um, is key, you know, like when our our communication is so limited, I think just really try and wait to stay connected, you know, when there are so many things that are, when they, when the system tries in every way possible to prevent that communication from happening, Mm -hmm. you know, like, phone calls 15 minutes if you're lucky independent like because um lockdown right because whenever there's a COVID spread um they will lock down and folks are locked up for 24 hours like a day in a tiny cell like for days like two weeks without showers without like fresh air without anything you know and without phone calls like we don't know like sometimes like I don't know how he's doing, you know, and then I get so excited whenever I get a 15 minutes phone call, because that means that he's okay. Um, That anxiety part is real. And even with letter writing, right? Like, because like USPS, like it's slower than usual. And Uh because like there's folks in a mail room, sometimes we don't get letters for days. So I think it's just um, having a lot of trust and like uh, just, just maintaining um, the trust that he will be okay. And Vernon is so strong. Like every time I talk to him and I'm like, before I start to like worry, he's like, look, don't let your fear get to you. You know, like I'm going to be okay. Like we'll be okay. And I think that gives me the optimism, the momentum to continue to um, not only support myself and support him through our relationship, but also like putting the work into our collective, right? To continue the movement. And Vernon will always tell me, um, he's like, look, I'm going to go home. You know, he was sentenced 50 years to life when he was convicted. Yes. Uh-huh. Let's not even talk about like enhancements, you know, mm-hmm. all of these really like racist um, enhancements that will keep people in prison forever. Um, 25 years was for the murder that he not, did not commit and 25 years for a gun that they never found, you know, so that's 50 years. But luckily, um, because of the youth, um, there was a bill that was passed. Um, and but because of youth parole, that sentence was reduced down to 25 years. So he's eligible to go to parole um, in 25 years. And then there was another bill that was passed, AB 965, um, that says that now, whatever good credits days that they have, Right. It would be added to their youth parole date and not their original date. Uh-huh. So like he could go, and then now there's the elderly parole too. So when you have been incarcerated for 20 years um, and and you're 50 years old, whereas like before the, this, um, the elderly parole was like 65. Um, so there's like a lot of policies and work, you know, that I'm also trying to learn more and get into because y'all like, look, if you have loved ones who are incarcerated or you care about folks who are incarcerated, yeah policy work is the place that we really need to tap into organizing writing policy could look if they're writing policy against us sure we should be writing policies to challenge some of that you know Mm -hmm. so there are actually a lot of policies now that will like he might be eligible to go to parole like you know a lot sooner than 
2035, right? Mm-hmm. And we're still trying to fight for his wrongful conviction, uh-huh. you know? So there's just so many like routes that we are like tapping into to really fight for his freedom. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I can imagine that, you know, that's, it's hard during those times when you're not able to hear from him or you get worried. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious about like, you know, how do you maintain you know, how do you decrease anxiety? How do you decrease worry? How do you remain centered um, when you just are not able to connect in that way? Because one thing that you've highlighted um, in regards to, which is honestly for any relationship. So let's add, let's keep adding that to the narrative for any relationship. Communication is key. Like we have to know how to be able to build a healthy form of communication, how to be able to love on one another, you know, through our love languages, even if it can't be a physical touch, really being able to express and create a beautiful and um, safe space for you and your partner to truly be able to express what's going on um, and learning how to respond to each other in a way that's not harmful, but that is actually in a helpful approach. Um, So during those moments, like when you can't really hear his voice and be with him, Um, in that capacity what do you do like to be able to cope that's a really that's a really good question too um I actually like through this experience like I've been able to connect with folks who are in like in similar situations right Mm -hmm. so like being able to um build community and check in with folks who are in that situation to share our stories right also talking to my friends like I have some friends who are like yeah like whenever you miss wording you can just call me I know I'm not a virgin (laughs) but I'm like okay you're not but (laughs) but yeah like you know like in a pandemic it's tough you know like I think of it as like a long distance relationship right Right. visit our loved ones so just trying to and like not trying to keep like I want to get away from like trying to keep keep myself busy so I suppress all of that right Uh Also, that's what I've learned through this journey too, is like really taking care of my mental health by like letting it out, right? Like feeling more comfortable now to talk to my friends about how I'm feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's not something that I did before. Like now I'm able to say like, hey, I feel really sad or I feel hurt or I feel whatever, you know? And when he calls and letters, like I'm able to write those things out too, you know? so really facing my um, my emotions, something that um, actually I taught Vernon just like dropped some game on me about to like <laughs> freedom, right? Is being able to like transcend our identity, our actions, all of that. And he was just like, look, whenever you feel sad, you know, like don't just like, sometimes we live in a society where like even my household when I was a little kid, whenever I was so sad, you know, like my mom and my dad would be like, why are you sad? Like, what's wrong with you? Blah, 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 you know? And I'm like, okay, wow, well, I don't, I don't want to feel sad anymore. Well, like it's a bad emotion. Like this is not. Right, exactly. Like you're a therapist, you know, like I, I like you, you know, but like for these immigrant parents, they're like, why are you sad? Blah, blah, you know? And then for Vernon, he's like, look, it's okay to feel sad, like face that. And then true freedom is like being able to now do something with that sadness, right? Because yeah. you have the freedom to actually react to it in how, the way that you want to. And I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So like whenever any of the, like if I, when I start to miss him, when I start to feel sad, when I start to feel like, damn, when is this pandemic going to be over so I can at least visit him, you know? Um, I do something with it, you know? I choose to react yeah. to my life writing to him or writing to myself or talking to my friends about my emotions and my feelings and it does and like thankfully I'm a super like proactive person you know like I would try to like do something about my emotion rather than just suppressing it or letting it sit or just like feeling sorry for myself you know like poor me I'm in this situation because it is a choice I made you know and and it's a choice that I'm so glad that I made, you know? So it's just really about like getting to know myself more and like digging deeper into myself internally mm-hmm. and choosing to know myself enough to know what I got to do for myself whenever those emotions come up. 
Yes, yes. And it's great that you're creating that space for you because, you know, there's a certain amount of space you're holding for him. Um, but then it's the two of you in this relationship. And then so being able to identify, which a lot of people honestly don't know how to know how to identify their emotions because of ways that, you know, they may have grown up to where it's just like, you know, some emotions weren't safe to feel or, you know, they, they got kind of confused on what they're truly feeling on the inside or they begin to suppress things. So they never really put language to what it was that they were feeling. Um, and then that's why, you know, you'll see more people that are lash out or they're not quite understanding how to be able to hold what's going on in them um, and then they'll make more negative decisions and then so the fact that you know you you have the space to kind of identify for yourself emotionally what's going on you're trying to externalize what's going on instead of keeping it in because it's much more painful to keep it in push back fight against it rather than just releasing it and kind of letting it be free and being willing to face what's going on it's hard because sometimes our emotions are dark it puts us in dark spaces there are things to face but, you know, really being able to breathe a little light in life into that situation is so important. And it's great that you have, you know, a support team. Like, you can talk to them. Like, you know, being able to write is something that's really important to get those emotions out. Some people even will exercise um, mm-hmm. to get the emotions out. And something that you said that's so important is like, and that he highlighted too, is like, we can feel all these emotions. We're humans. So having sadness, having anger, having happiness and joy, like that's part of the human experience. And it's important that when we have these emotional experiences, we take a step back and figure out what we're going to do with those emotions. And you've been able to find positive outlets rather than being like, you know, now I'm, I'm upset at this situation. I'm about to go and like, you know, just F some stuff up or, you know, people start projecting and taking their anger out on other people. We really have to be able to just kind of sit with those emotions and figure out what is something proactive that you can do in the meantime um, to be able to just kind of process and heal yourself along the way. So that's really beautiful that you've gotten to that point. And I'm sure, you know, it has been the easiest thing, <laughs> but that is looking a lot. Like you say, you're still learning. Like this is such a, a learning journey for you, but it's something that you're so open to and remembering to create that space to care for you because I'm sure it gets tough holding all these different things, holding all these spaces, also trying to make sure that he's okay, but you're remembering to make sure that you're okay as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think even, look, through this journey too, I've learned also that we cannot, like when we love someone so much in a relationship, we cannot carry their weight. Mm -hmm. Regardless if it's someone who's incarcerated. And that's what I've learned from Vernon too. You know, he's like, look, me you got to take care of your emotions you know and I'll take care of my emotion that's how we're going to be able to have a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. like you know we can talk about things we can support each other but I would say this like in my last in my last relationship I felt like I was trying to carry a lot of my partner's baggage and emotions and stuff you know and I think I, I was so distracted in that, that I wasn't really able to like so much focus on myself, you know? And my, my, my ex didn't ask me to do that, but you know, like sometimes we get caught up in that. Um, but it helps so much to have a partner now, you know, who's like, look, like you never got to worry about like me and like what I do and how I'm feeling because I'm taking care of myself you know, and I've learned so much about like, you know, Vernon and how he takes care of himself, you know, he's, he meditates an hour a day, you know, okay, you know, um, he's, you know, like he exercises, he, you know, like he reads a lot of like self-help books, you know, and he just, he's just like an intellectual that is super practical in his own way. So like, even like through that lens, I'm able to be like, wow, like I'm inspired, you know, and like, I took on like taking care of myself by exercising, you know, by eating healthier, by just like tapping into things I didn't tap into before because I was so caught up in trying to take care of my somebody else, you right. know, um, and and that's why I feel like it's so healing and so transformative for me, right? Because I'm in a relationship where now my partner is not asking of me or like my partner constantly reminds me to take care of my own shit, mm-hmm. you know, and not worry about him. So I think that I really appreciate you just pointing that out too, because I think it's in any relationship that you're in, you know, and I used to always be like self-love, self-love, but I didn't know what it means, you know, really until now. Um, 
because we can say self-love all day, you know, but then get caught up in like loving somebody else first before us. Right, right. That's, that's, that's so important. And, you know, even like sometimes, you know, there are partnerships that you can be in and your partner will expect you to take on, you know, all of their baggage and to take care of them because it's too much for them to sort out themselves. Um, But it's like a perfect balance. People have to find that, that balance within the relationship. And, you know, it's beautiful when you can get to a point to where it's like, Hey, I got me and you got you. And then you're able to connect and, you know, be there and support each other in a way when you do need to kind of like you know help hold your partner up sometime and you help hold your partner up sometime but it's not putting the responsibility on you to make sure it's kind of like that you're saving that person they're the people are only people are the only people that can save themselves and sometimes when we get into relationships you know we may feel bad by the story that they have or we may we get into that like I gotta save them or I gotta make sure that you know they're okay that we can't get really wrapped up and forget like hey we're the other person in this relationship too like everything's not about that but it's like both people have to kind of elevate on that same like you know field to be able to understand that there's enough space for the both of you you know, mm-hmm. to be able to just thrive and be able to just grow together. Um, and, you know, just highlighting that we are in control of our narratives. So mm-hmm. going back to that point of like, you, you are showing, you're not like being a poster child of being like, okay, not everybody, like you said, go find your pen pal. Cause that's where it's at. Like, and not necessarily saying that, but you're just showing that people can find love in a lot of different settings, a lot of different ways. Um, and just being open to not prejudging people because you never know, it could be the best experience, the best choice that you ever made in your life. And that's part of us all humanizing. Exactly. Exactly. Just be open, right? Just to any, be open to love, right? In any form. Mm -hmm. Yes. And loving freely, which is, which is loving without conditions. Yeah. And (laughs) loving regardless, right. And loving regardless without what people like without caring what people say because at the end of the day like live your life for you you know I think that's like one of the biggest lessons I've learned through this journey like Mm. really live your life for you right you can honor and respect other people's opinions you can honor and respect your family's opinions but at the end of the day it's like you're the one that's internally having to deal with you know whatever decisions you make or how much you're observe absorbing from other people so like she said living living your life for you loving in your life for you that's so important and you know I want to give you the space to really just you know highlight that shirt that you got going on there talk about the collective you know I see like the little icon sticker in the background just give some people some information and also about ways to be able to like contact you or even get to know like some of his platforms as well yeah so one of our projects was creating a wrongful conviction shirt it has like the definition it also has like you know um sentence because a lot of us are educators too, you know, so we created this shirt to, to really teach people about like what wrongful conviction is. Um, in the back, it actually has this logo that's yeah. mm-hmm. on the screen right there. Um, if you want, well, actually we are taking our orders for the third batch that we're making Yay! Um, in partnership with our friend VJ, who started his own like screen printing business, you know, mm-hmm. so trying to really support each other in the work too. Um, so if you're interested in ordering a shirt, you can I hit me up. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Um, and part of the proceeds, we actually donated to Vernon's monthly food giveaway inside prison. Okay, yeah. So four years ago, he started a monthly food giveaway where he's like, look, I want to change the prison culture, right? Hey. I, showing love to people through food so every month he would set up like his food stand and like just pass out like these burritos um and so then we from like our shirt proceeds or whatever fundraiser we have we donate fifty dollars seventy dollars every month um Mm -hmm. to make his monthly food giveaway possible um and if you want to follow me you can follow me at Nitrong, N-H-I-T-R-U-O-N-G. But if you want to follow our collective and Vernon's work, um, Vernon also says a lot of like insight, insightful quotes. Um, he actually, we, before the pandemic, when he was able to use a state phone more, we would um, record his podcast on a state phone. So he actually has his own podcast. Yeah. Um, 
that you can so once you go to add wisdom from underground mm-hmm. um that's like a that's like a lot of burning stuff there's a there's a link where you can go and check out our website his podcast um and a lot of the cool work that we're doing so yes. please check us out and thank you so much for listening folks yes you're so very welcome thank you for highlighting that like y'all said she got the shirts coming you know all the information and the links i'm gonna make sure that you know that's all like you know in in the bio so really so that people can easily access click things you know when i when i reshare on instagram being able to click on the pages making it real easy for people to just become a part of this community too and you know as y'all know for breaking barriers and always live lovely like on all platforms i'm at always live lovely um and in order to find the podcast is breaking barriers a mental health discussion so really get into this because you know like i said we are having conversations okay and really being able i'm intentional about who i'm picking because these are people's life stories and i really want to highlight how people are healing through them um, so that people can feel that they see themselves in other people's experiences so even if you haven't got the opportunity to watch episode one through five do that because it's gems dropped in every single episode. Um, And it's just so important that we continue to just uplift the community, you know, in this way. And then, so I really, really, truly appreciate you need for being, being willing to show courage and being willing to just share your story in this way and being in your authentic light and holding him in his authentic life, even though he's not able to physically be sitting by you like, yeah, this is what we doing. You know, it's such a good representation because even in, in partnerships in general, it's so important how we, how we hold and uplift our partners even when they're not physically there like you're still in connection with them and a representation of your your relationship with each other um so i really just appreciate you for doing that and like i said everybody like she's she's open to being connected with you know people have reached out to her and kind of asked questions and you know felt comfortable and she's building that courage in the community you know if there's things that you want to ask me or you know little tips and tricks you're more than welcome to like shoot me an email connect at always lovely.com and let's just like i said continue to build community so thank you so much me for being a guest on episode six (laughs) thank you so much atina for having this platform for us to be able to be real and raw and it's also a really healing conversation so i super appreciate you for starting this platform and just being um a really great like um conversationalist in a way that you ask some important questions that is very healing for me even as I'm answering them so thank you you're so so very welcome so very welcome